If you have your Bibles, turn with me, please. Daniel chapter 12. Reading from verse 1. At that time, Michael, the archangel who stands God over your nation, will arise. Then there will be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end, when many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. Then I, Daniel, looked and saw two others standing on opposite banks of the river. One of them asked the man dressed in linen, who is now standing above the river, how long will it be until these shocking events are over? The man dressed in linen who was standing above the river raised both hands toward heaven and took a solemn oath by the one who lives forever, saying, it will go on for a time, times, and half a time. When the shattering of the holy people has finally come to an end, all these things will have happened. I heard what he said, but I didn't understand what he meant. So I asked, how long will all this finally end, my Lord? But he said, go, Daniel. For what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, cleansed, and refined by these trials. But the wicked will continue in their wickedness, and none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. Pray with me, please. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Father, we are privileged to be able to gather in your presence today to experience those blessings once again as we hear from you. Help us to be appreciative of those blessings by receiving them with receptive hearts. Father, I come before you as a humble, finite little being, insignificant in every way, depending upon you for your enabling, your enlightenment, your strength. Indeed, I pray, O oh God, that you would indeed hide me behind the cross of Jesus, that you would be glorified, you would be honored, and you would be exalted, as we all, as your people, add our amens to doing what thou hast said this day, this blessed Lord's day. For we ask it in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. For students of the Bible, the book of Daniel stand out as an exceptional prophetic revelation. Its visions of the future is similar to the book of Revelation because both books have a whole lot in common. Even though 
John's view as a New Testament believer was much wider than Daniel's. But notice, notice the key verse of this 12th chapter of the book of Daniel. Verse 4, but you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end, when many will rush here and there, and knowledge will increase. This verse accurately describes two things that are happening today in our time as we speak. First of all, people are rushing here and there. Have you noticed everybody seems to be in a hurry? Everybody's in a hurry. And some of them ain't going nowhere. The, the traffic light can't change quick enough before you hear the screeching of tires. Everybody's in a hurry. Little boy was on a traffic light one time and, and uh, he saw that his dad around the, the amber light and his, his dad, he asked his dad, you know, what, what's the light, what's the color of the light mean? And he says, son, you know everything, you tell me. Boy says, well, red, red means stop, green means go, and yellow means go faster. <laughs> Everybody is in a hurry. Nobody wants to wait. You put food in the microwave and that isn't even quick enough. Everybody's in a hurry. People will be rushing here and there. And then the second thing he said is knowledge is increasing. Knowledge today is increasing at, you might call it, breakneck speeds. Just as the angel described that it would be in the time of the end. The question is, what and when is this time of the end that this angel is talking about? Also referred to as the last days. Most of us are familiar with the term the last days. Everybody's talking about the last days. Well, Peter gives us a timeline in terms of when that is. First Peter chapter 1 verse 20 God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But he has now revealed him in these last days. Before the creation of the world, God chose his destined redeemer who would die for the sins of the world, who would die for your sins and my sins on a place called the old rugged cross. And so the period of the last days actually extends from the day that Jesus ascended into heaven after his resurrection until the day that he returns as judge. Remember now, the Bible tells us that the father judges no man, but has committed judgment to the son. So Jesus Christ, that same Jesus of whom we sing, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, gentle Jesus, gentle child, he's going to be the judge. And so the last days extends for that period of time. But what, what is our expectation? When people talk about going home to be with the Lord, they talk about the return of Christ is imminent. And so everybody's expecting that Jesus could come at any moment. People will tell you, well, Jesus could come before we even finish church today. And that is the expectation. That all of us have. And that expectation is further confirmed by the characteristics of the last days. The times that we are living in. What are the characteristics? Second Timothy chapter 3. 
Paul writes to Timothy and he says to Timothy, he says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Good advice. Good advice. Doesn't this sound like the days that we're living in right now? Absolutely. We're living in the same period that this, this verse characterizes right now. Now, according to the text, the angel states quite clearly that the end times will be jam-packed with trials, tribulations, problems, whatever you want to call it, for the people of God. The march of prophecy is summed up in these stirring words of chapter 10 of Daniel 12. Many will be purified, cleansed, and refined by these trials. But the wicked will continue in their wickedness, and none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. These words can hardly be read without picturing the sharp contrast which the end time, the impact of the end time events will have on people living at such a time. The precious. But then the good news for those who remain faithful is that the results of these trials will be more purifying than it will be destructive for them. And that's God's promise. That is God's promise. And God has a sterling track record when it comes to keeping his promises. To the tribe of Asher, he made this promise. He says, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. In other words, you're going to be secure all your days. Don't worry about a thing. God's promise to his ancient people back then is just as true for every single believer on earth today. There's been no day in church history quite like the last days of this present age. But for the people of God, even the perilous times will bring their own brand of strength. And you can count on that. There's absolutely no doubt whatsoever today that it is an enormous task for the child of God to live righteously in this present evil age. Everybody has a challenge. But you know, the uniqueness of the Christian life is that it never fails to bring its own promised strength for each day. No wonder the hymn writer could pen these words. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. And as the saying goes, the strange thing about a great task 
is that it brings its own strength with it. How true. Remember God's promise to Gideon? Judges 6.16, the Lord said to him, I will be with you. And you will destroy the Midianite, the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. What a promise. Picture that little group of men, just 300 men who stood with Gideon outside the Midianite camp that day. If the outcome were to be judged by the odds, Gideon and his little group of men would have been completely wiped out, abolished. How could 300, how could 300 possibly expect to survive even a brief skirmish with a multitude that covered an entire valley? But you know, God, God has a way of reducing the odds, doesn't he? He does. He always does. When God stretched out his hand, all of a sudden, the battalions of Midian were no stronger than if only one soldier had stood up against the Israelites. Let me ask you today. At this time, when the persecution of the church is at an all-time high, will God be less faithful to his children today who fight against the greatest odds the church has ever faced? Will he be less faithful? Never. The Germans will say, neither, neither. There's no denying. The moral state of humanity today causes real internal grief for every faithful child of God. We are in anguish when we see what's going on around us today. The shamelessness of the ungodly today is just unspeakable. When you think you've seen it all, something else pops up. Sin previously kept undercover is now paraded for all to see. People today have not only lost the ability to blush, like the old folks say, they don't feel no embarrassment anymore, but they now actually take pride in their wickedness. We are such praises, such praises as gay pride and LGBT, whatever that means. God is totally, absolutely, totally excluded from people's reasoning today. Stop the world! I want to get off. Should be the cry of every single believer. If just a thought of leaving God out of our reasoning just minutely crossed our minds. But you know what? We don't have to want to get off this world. Because God is providing us with the strength that we need for each day. We find ourselves as Christians in this climate of evil and apostasy. Reaching out for his strength and leaning more heavily on his arm and his mighty arm than ever before. With even a greater determination than before. It's because we don't leave God out of our reasoning that we refuse to bow to the spirit of the age. It is because we don't leave God out of our reasoning that we refuse to throw up our hands and say, what's the use? It's hopeless. What the text makes clear is that 
even as the human race is swallowed up by wickedness, many will still be purified. Can you believe that? Hell is breaking loose all around us. Nothing but wickedness. The Bible says some will still be purified. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white. In other words, the souls that are white are going to get whiter. Their spiritual garments will shine with even greater purity than before. They will not just profess God's name like Enoch did, but they will walk with God like Enoch did. And we know what happened to him. God took him. Their moral purity and way of life will stand out like lily on a pile of manure. That's how they're going to stand out. But the text makes the contrast unmistakably clear. There will be increased wickedness. At the same time that many are getting closer to God and being made whiter by the very pressures of the times, Daniel says the wicked will continue in their wickedness. This means that those who are not serving God, those who do not want to have anything to do with God or the church or Christians or anything else, they will have a tendency, they will have a propensity to become more and more ungodly, such as we are witnessing today. You think it's going to get better? Don't hold your breath. It's going to get worse. You think you don't see nothing yet? Just wait. It's going to get worse. Because of the ocean of moral filth that they indulge themselves in, the Bible tells us that they're going to get blacker and blacker. Things ain't getting no better. And this is exactly how the evil people were described by Paul. The evil people living in the last days. Notice what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 13. But evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse. Does it say anything in there but they're going to get better? They will proceed from bad to worse. Deceiving and being deceived. Deceived means getting swing. When last someone swung you? That's all people are doing today. Everybody is trying to swing somebody else. There will be an unbelievably accelerated pace of iniquity as the time gets closer and closer to the end. In fact, the rapidly collapsing moral standards and restraints is nothing less than a phenomenon in our own day and time. Right now, we're seeing it today. But there's another text that is almost identical to what Daniel says here. Revelation chapter 22 verse 11. Let the one who is doing harm continue to do harm. Let the one who is vile continue to be vile. Let the one who is righteous continue to live righteously. Let the one who is holy continue to be holy. Consider the amazing differences in reaction to the moral climate of the last days. Some becoming whiter, while others becoming blacker. It's a matter of black and white. Who do you know that's becoming whiter? Are you becoming whiter? Who do you know that's becoming blacker? Sure you know somebody. While the conflict 
results in the intensified righteousness of some. Others are sliding swiftly down the, rapidly down the trail of evil and destruction. The point is, regardless of who you are, these end times will shape every single soul on planet earth for better and for worse. In Genesis chapter 4 verse 3, we read, In the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Note the expression, in the process of time. No drastic differences in character were seen in Cain and Abel up to this particular point in time. So obviously, Cain was hiding his. His character was being concealed. There is, however, one thing that the process of time will always do. It will always pull open the curtain and reveal true character for what it really is. Sooner or later, genuine true character is going to show its ugly face. According to what the Bible teaches, this will take place in greater and greater measure as we, as the world accelerates towards its appointment with that great day of judgment. Do I need to tell you it's happening right now? Do I need to tell you it's happening right as we speak? I don't think so. Because if you read your newspapers, if you watch your television, if you surf the world wide web and, and go all on all of the social media networks, if you listen to your radio, if your eyes and ears are open to the sounds, sights and sounds all around you, no one has to convince you that it's becoming easier and easier to tell the difference between the wise and the wicked. It's clear. Regardless of what we think or feel, we are now living in a time of deliberate, blatant shamelessness. The old folks are say, ain't nobody got no shame no more. From a moral point of view, all shades of gray are practically gone. And what remains is just blacker. There was a time when the phrase coming out of the closet was a shocking revelation. But today, there are practically no closets. But the question is, how should the faithful child of God respond to the sweeping away of these gray areas or this middle ground? How are we supposed to respond to that? Well, we should welcome it. We should welcome it because such a surge of evil is, is forcing people to take one side or the other. It's becoming more and more uncomfortable for people to straddle the fence. You see, because the end times, the end times are shaping the lives of everyone for better and for worse. What is also evident today is a lack of understanding. Daniel is told that when the final events of history propels humanity into a tailspin, the wicked will continue in their wickedness and none of them not a single one will understand. In other words, they will recognize that something is definitely different. 
Things are changing. They're going to recognize that. They're going to realize that. But they will not understand the real meaning of what they see happening. And that's what's happening now. At this very moment, people are confused by the violence and the chaos that they see everywhere. Everywhere you turn. Both nationally or locally as well as globally. The proliferation of same-sex marriages, rights, laws, and and all that sort of stuff, despite opposition. I understand that the United States now have 33 states who favor same-sex marriage. The numbers are growing. And then there is confusion in government leadership, where we see today in the same cabinet, in the same government, the right hand don't know what the left hand doing. Confusion. While there may be good feelings about successfully obtaining long sought after so-called rights, there is a lack of understanding about the meaning of such changes. Oh yeah, we like the changes that are coming, but we don't know what they mean. What do they mean? While many are upset with political leaders for totally ignoring the righteousness of the God who, who put them in the seat of power, and who, who reject and deny the will of the people for ungodly pursuits. God reminds us today that the wicked will continue in their wickedness and none of them will understand. While some are questioning, don't people understand what God did to Sodom and Gomorrah when they Change, they chose to go against God's natural order. The Bible explains. The wicked will continue in their wickedness and none of them will understand. While homosexuals and their advocates are boldly demanding to know what's so wrong with us wanting to have the same rights like everybody else. God says the wicked will continue in their wickedness and none of them will understand. While some are rationalizing the so-called alternative lifestyles by accusing us Christians who oppose it as being homophobic, God says, don't worry about that. He says the wicked will continue in their wickedness and none of them will understand. You see, the Bible's declaration is crystal clear that one day, some folks are going to have a very rude awakening. Because the Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man. But the end is what? It's the way of death. And many people are, feel as if they are on the right way. And if they are, they feel as if they're headed there. On the other hand, the wise child of God is not fooled phased or bamboozled by self-confidence of the wicked. They ain't swinging us. Because it's obvious to the righteous that the wicked don't have a clue. Notice the Bible says, while none of the wicked understand the wise, know what it all, what it all means. The wise, the enlightened by the Holy Spirit and the word of God will understand, the Bible says. The wise knows all that it means. Doesn't that make you feel good? Everybody else is confusion, but you know what's going on. God's been telling us that for a long time. 
The wise know all that it means because the same light that blinds the wicked guides the wise. While many want to be stars in God's kingdom, the, the text today, our text today in Daniel makes it clear who can really be stars. Verse 3 says, those who are wise, those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. If you want to be a star in God's kingdom, this is what you got to do. Everything that takes place during the end times will impact every living soul for better and for worse. Four times we read the phrase, the end, in the 12th chapter of Daniel. But the end of what? What is it going to be the end of? Well, first of all, it's going to be the end of Satan. Glad to hear that. But it's also going to be the end of those who follow Satan. Those who live wickedly upon the earth. Those who are ignorant of what the Bible teaches don't realize how Satan is actually controlling human governments and nations. They don't understand that. You see, he's not called the God and the prince of this world without good reason. There's a reason for that. Even though people are not aware of it, they are not aware of being tools they actually are. Satan's puppets have always been government heads of state who direct whole, sec whole sectors of the world's population. Every grave in every cemetery is a constant reminder that sin and death was brought into the human race by none other than Satan himself. Overcrowded hospitals, Divorce courts, jails, and drug rehab programs and clinics, adult entertainment houses, along with a multitude of other manifestations of sin, tell the same tragic, sad story. There's no doubt that our problems today are more spiritual than sociological because of the reign of that old serpent called the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. The phrase, the end, that we see repeated in Daniel, indicates that the days of God's arch enemy are numbered. Those days are numbered. A master of deception. Satan has many people today believing that the chaotic state of the world is proof that God has actually thrown in the towel, given up, and surrendered the world to him. But God's master plan to totally eradicate sin from the universe is unfolding with every tick of the clock. The crescendo will come. When the kingdom of this world change hands from Satan to God's. Revelation eleven fifteen reminds us. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices shouting in heaven. The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. Once described as the shining one who fought so ferociously for God's own throne, 
Satan will be tossed into eternal judgment in the lake of fire. But you know what the real tragedy is? You know what the tragedy is, right? The tragedy is multitudes of multitudes are going to go with him. Which brings us to another, to another reason for the repetition of the phrase, the end, in this chapter. It will be the end of the age of grace. This means that the sinner's door of opportunity for salvation will be closed permanently. No back doors. One of Satan's key delusions of deception is that God is only a God of love. Don't worry about a thing, child. God is a God of love. He won't do something bad like that to you. But the Bible tells us that, yes, God is a God of love and compassion. But he's also a God of justice, which means that he must punish sin. When sin had reached a certain point in humanity's dim past and something had to be done about it, God made his plans and intentions absolutely very clear. He said in Genesis 6, 6, 7, and the Lord said, I will wipe this human, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing. All the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I'm sorry I ever made them. Today, in our society, we are witnessing firsthand the devastating effects of dealing too lightly with lawbreakers. It has become painfully clear that if you want to have an orderly society, lawbreakers must be dealt with. And in some cases, severe punishment is an absolute necessity. Whenever this principle is abandoned, it doesn't take long before disorder, chaos, and lawlessness become the order of the day. And the fact that so many churches are, have stopped declaring the judgment side of the gospel is a major contributing factor to the current tolerance of the day. All we're hearing today is feel-good sermons and, and feel-good messages. Nobody wants to hear about judgment. The psalmist makes this declaration. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Guaranteed destruction is waiting for all who live as the wicked do. The primary purpose for Jesus' death and resurrection is that all might be saved. Every single soul. But all who delay and reject this glorious message, who refuse to accept it, according to what the Bible teaches, they will face doom and damnation. Many today wonder why God has withheld his judgment for so long. Well, that's called long suffering. God is a merciful God. And the only reason why he's withheld it for so long is because of his mercy. He wants everyone to be able to come to know his son as Lord and Savior. But the day is coming when that age of grace is going to come to an end. 
That age of grace is going to culminate in fury. The question is, how is it with you as we get closer to the end? For Christians determined to faithfully resist the world of flesh and the devil, there's every reason to fight on with courage and confidence. Everyone who commits their all to God will become whiter in the midst of the trials and the tribulations that we go through. Clearly an example of the marvelous grace of God. John, 1 John 4, 4. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people. Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. You believe that? You better. Because what God is saying is that, that, that God's indwelling spirit in you is much greater than the spirit of chaos that is wreaking havoc in the world today. That's what it's saying. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Now, if you never accepted Christ as your personal savior, your danger is definitely great indeed. If you think you can stand up against the pressures of the last days without being swept away by the tsunami of wickedness, dream on. The devil's power is much greater than you could ever imagine. Don't take him for granted and don't fool yourself. Multitudes who fully intended to get right with God at some particular point in time have hit rock bottom both morally and spiritually. All their good intentions did them no good. Because while they were procrastinating, all it took from the enemy of their souls is one fatal blow to take them down. What you need right now is Christ, the one and only true refuge for the sin-weary soul. Do you have him? Do you have him? Only his blood is able to make the sinful soul whiter than snow or whiter than wool. And so God gives an invitation. He says, come, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them white as wool. Today, as we speak, as we sit in this auditorium, this sanctuary today, the lines are being clearly drawn with the pressure coming from every single side. Neutrality is disappearing real fast. Making up your minds about which side to choose is absolutely essential for you today if you don't know Jesus as your savior. According to the text, the fact that, that a person living among others in the middle of the greatest moral decline in history can not just survive, but actually become purer is a glorious mystery of the gospel. But that's not new. We know that's not new. Jesus sent out his disciples as sheep in the midst of wolves. But the sheep were not destroyed. God has saints. God has saints in, in Caesar's household. But they remained saints. They didn't change. God has disciples today 
who are in the minority, schools and university campuses and neighborhoods and communities, but you know what? They are still disciples. God has children in communist and Islamic countries, but they are still Christians. They haven't changed to Islamic or communist. You see, the scorching fire of trials only burns off the dross, but leaves the gold more brilliant than ever. The psalmist says, give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. So what is the application principle that we should take from Daniel today? When you're going through trials and persecutions, they make very little or no sense at all. Whatever you're willing to learn, if you're willing to learn, you get that? If you're willing to learn from them, they can purify us. They can make us whiter, not blacker. And so after you make it through difficult trials, trials and difficulties, try to learn from the experience so that it can be helpful to you in the future. Because some real difficult days are ahead. They're coming. The only prayer of consolation is that Jesus take me before it comes. But it's coming. There's no way of stopping it. During the end times, everyone on earth will be shaped for better and for worse. Shall we pray? Our Father and our God, we have heard what you had to say today. It's now up to us to determine what we're going to do with what you said. We are mindful that your word never returns to you void. And so, Lord, we pray, Father, that, our, that your word today would have indeed fallen on receptive hearts with a purpose to follow through on that still, small voice that has spoken to each of us, not just collectively, but individually in this sanctuary today. The onus is upon each of us here to determine what we will do, Lord, with what you have said. For now we are accountable to you for our actions from henceforth. So we pray, Lord, that you would enable us to be obedient and to be humble and to govern ourselves accordingly in order that you might be glorified and honored. And if there be any here today who have never made a personal commitment to you, we pray, O oh God, that you would cause them to see that they have no time left. For we ask these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen.